Hello and welcome to another Friday Night Football, the Macken Football Show, as hosted by me and for the Macken. Today I'm joined by Paul Wilson. Good evening. I am, I've got an echo on myself because I'm an idiot. And we also joined by Jacob again. Hello. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, we will. Hello. <laughs> nice Obi-Wan impression, mate. I like it. Uh, if you're watching on the live stream, by all means, get involved in the chat. I'm keeping an eye on that. So if you, you want to get involved in the conversation, feel free to tune in to the Anth the Mackham YouTube channel. And whoever is speaking will have a nice green ring around their profile icon. Um, you can see anybody who joins the call and when they join it. So we'll introduce them as well. We might have a couple of guests joining as well. Away the lads from Ireland, says Astra Edits. Welcome along. Away the lads. So, should we get the big, big, horrible discussion out of the way and talk about that Stoke game? I don't, I don't want to lead this one. Paul, what were your thoughts on the game? Uh, like I said the other day, I was uh, frustrated, angry. <laughs> Any more? Yeah, yeah, just one more to make it a nice, nice uh, trio of emotions. <laughs> Upset. There we are. <laughs> Jacob, what, what about you, buddy? All right, I'll do my trio. Pissed <laughs> off, fuming, and raging. Okay. Uh, mine are very similar to both of yours. Angry, frustrated, and horrified. The Alessandro, hello, hello, hello. Score predictions, pop them in the poll, who you think is going to win. Um, we'll do score predictions after the Stoke review because we are doing this as a podcast so um yeah 5-1 against our former manager alex neil and um the worst ever defeat at the stadium of light so this is since 1997 um i i don't even know how to how to explain the game without going off on an absolute tangent I'll split it into two halves. Is that is that probably better, right? Like the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the game yeah, was. So the first half, um, we were cheated, I feel. Um, the referee, the match officiating in this match, especially in that first half, was horrific. The, the fact that we haven't put complaints in against the match, uh, match, the match officials in that first half is unreal. Um, it was a Ballard or Bath that got punched in the face by the keeper. Nothing happened. It was Danny Bath. Danny Bath, there you go. We had three... We had we had one very soft penalty appeal, but we had three penalty appeals all in all in that first half. None of them given. All of them waved off. The referee was having none of it. And for me, the fact that they're not reviewed in the game has a huge impact on everybody's morale. If we get given one of those penalties, they didn't counter. They wouldn't have countered and got that goal. Um, so it, it just it just baffles me that we're, we're about six years behind the Premier League now in introducing VAR. I know it's uh, an expensive system. I've talked around how we could actually fund that from the Premier League parachute payments being reduced and then that funding the rest of the EFL. So if it's purely about money, then that excuse is not really there. No. Yeah. The first half, yeah, the match officiating lost us that first half. Um, that's my opinion on that. Uh, the second half, we obviously 1-0 down going into the second half. We were still technically in it. We usually have a second better half, but um, we seem to do a repeat of the Burnley game. Uh, absolute crumbling from our lads in that second half. Heads dropped. The Tony Mowbray shake-up at the 60-minute mark was way too little too late. And, um, yeah, I think we've been easily sussed out by this, by this team. The second half, we lost it. We we give it to Stoke, and the amount of dancing that their players were doing was just 
<laughs> it was fucking gross. I think they, <laughs> yeah, the fact that fans started to throw stuff on the pitch was kind of egged on by them dancing. I think. Um, but yeah, it wasn't made just to point it out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> might have been Bowers or mm. Terry. Might might have been. So Elliot says, I actually think it's an easy fix from the Stoke game. I think how quick out of play. Um, I think, I think out quick. Um, has been found out. Just need to slow it down and wait for the game to pass. That makes sense. Can you say my name for the pod, Astra? Yeah, Welcome. I've said it. I've said it. Up to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. done it. <laughs> Welcome, Astra. <laughs> um, every little. Sorry, every little. Every little helps. <laughs> we're not. We're not sponsored by Tesco, by the way. Oh, <laughs> it's of your own volition. Um. So yeah, like like I said. Uh, the, the way the game unfolded for me, first half was handed to them, and second half, they just took advantage of us dropping. Um, second half, they absolutely deserved to beat us. It was just that much of an embarrassment. Um, so, do you want to split your, your game into two halves? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jacob, you go first, mate. Yeah. Right, cheers. Um, well, I mean, I think they were... Slightly better than us, Stoke, in the first half, but not by much, because I saw Bowers' match action, and he said, and I agree with what he said, they they weren't that great when you think about it, Stoke. Yes, they were a bit better than us, but they weren't, like, out the park, like Man City or Barcelona. And yeah. The referee, that first half referee was just, oh, he was being an arsehole, and that punch in the face, Yeah, if that, if that, if that happened to a Stoke player, we all know what would have happened. If that was a Stoke player that got punched, oh, he'd have blown his little toy, wouldn't he? Well, to be to be fair, the keeper did punch a Stoke player as well as the Baff, uh, Danny Baff, so he did go through two players, but still, that's out of control and violent, right? Yeah, and it's just and it just annoys me that the referees go against us a lot, and it it needs to be sorted out because the the EFL's corrupt and things need to change. It's just yeah. not good enough. And second half, I agree with you. They were totally destroyed us, and and I left the stream because I just had none of it. I was just too mm-hmm. angry. And, you know, I just couldn't cope. Yeah, to be fair, mate, uh, there was a bit of a rage from you on that live stream. And can you blame? Oh, I'll ask after after Paul's gone for gone for it. But there was a lot of um, there was a lot of empty seats come the final whistle. And I can't blame them. But uh, yeah, Paul, what your first half, your second half? Well, actually, the same as you, really. But to be honest, I actually felt sorry for um, certain players. Well, not certain players, but we actually had former, well, so like a former player. Well, two former players actually was there. Okay. The former manager was actually in attendance as well. You mean um, you mean playing for Stoke or just in attendance? Not former son. Uh, used to play for us. Uh, now Quinn was actually behind me at the game. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter Reed was at the game, and so was Marco Gabidini. Wow. Okay. Back to the nineties. <laughs> were you so, in a Were you in a posh box, mate, or were they? They were in a posh <laughs> box, weren't they? Well, actually, I was in the southwest corner, <laughs> and um, Niall Quinn was actually behind me, in the box, just behind. What makes you feel sorry for them, though, and not the rest of the fans? Well, I feel sorry for the fans as well, but can you can you just picture what uh, Niall Quinn and them would have, their players would have said? Well, not said, but yeah. you know what what they would have been thought of that game. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Absolute mad. So, there's one little bit of a saving grace, by the way. We are obviously quite... We're live right now, and the Stoke-Blackburn game is happening live, and Stoke are beating Blackburn, who are fourth, 1-0 as it stands. So, I'll take that little bit of spin and positive that Stoke are on a good form and they're beating teams in the top half. Um, Yeah. So, we've got a couple of uh, chats to catch up with. Um. Astra says wasn't wasn't watching the game, but saw Patterson for a bit and just says crappy. Um, 
and hashtag Hounslow says we we aren't savvy enough with referee we aren't savvy enough with referees. Uh, it comes down to the experience for me. Other teams get decisions because of the way they interact with the match officials, and it works out. This comes with age and experience. So we do have one of the youngest teams in this league. So I do kind of agree with that hashtag. But um, you know, when he says when they interact with referees, is that before they come out into the tunnel and they shake hands with referee and all that? And is yeah, that what they're on about. Potentially, but it's also how our fans react with the referees as well. Because every time we're at the stadium alight, we do jump on the back of referees as soon as they make the slightest mistake, and we piss them off. We we piss them off all the time because of the referees a wanker chance that you you should have got a spec savers chance. Like the referee doesn't get a good time whenever they come to our our ground, and I guess they get that everywhere, but. I think when it's 43,000 fans against like maybe 10,000, the impact of that is a little bit more severe. So maybe we aren't doing ourselves the best favours by calling out how shit the referee is. Just put it wholly on the players, maybe. Um, and hashtag says, the full game, not just the interaction before. We don't see anything before games, but during games, opposition always have the refs here. And I agree with that. Uh, just a bit, just a bit shit, but well, like. News on that, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Germany Simpson was the referee on uh, on Saturday. Uh, we've always had bad games under Germany Simpson. Yeah, well, you say that, but the last game we actually won under him, didn't we? It was that. Um... Why? Who did he? Who did we win under Blackpool? Uh, Blackburn, sorry. Oh, Stoke have took a two 0 lead, by the way. Against Blackburn, oh, so the Boxing Day fixture. Yeah, the Boxing Day fixture. Yeah, so. Because I was wondering who, who else have we lost to? Who else have we lost to under that referee? Do you know, like? I, I haven't got the I haven't got the stats up, so. I'm trying to think that the the only game I remember because I, uh, I was speaking to Nick Bones on it and it was um two two draw mm-hmm. against QPR at the Stadium of Light actually. Yeah. Oh. And um, it's when Chair grabbed Lyndon Gooch's throat. Yeah, and should have got a red card for that as well. Yep. Wait, did you say you complained to someone then, Paul, that day or not? I thought I heard you saying you complained to someone no, about I, I was talking to Nick Barnes about it. Oh, and, right. Um, I said to Nick Barnes, it's a shame that um, well, we can't do anything about it. Yeah. And uh, he, he said, unfortunately, sadly, we can't do anything about it now. Do you agree, though, there's corruption in some at refs, though, in EFL? You... It feels that way. We can't, we can't, we're not um, investigators. It just comes across that way. Like, it, it feels like it's rigged, doesn't it? It feels like it's hoax and all that shit. It just pisses me off. It's it, always it, Yeah. It, it, it feels like there's a syndicate or something behind it where the refs are just absolutely. <laughs> under the, un, un, they, they get they're getting a uh, nice little manila envelope posted to them every Sunday if they do what they want for the bookies. That's what it feels like. Um, not saying all of them are like that, but it, they're just some of the blatant decisions that they're getting wrong. And the linesman can see it. The fourth official can see it. Why isn't VAR a thing in the championship? The championship is now the old Premier League in terms of like. Mm. Games that should be won by the players is won by the ref. Um, well, I talked about the game with my dad, you know, the same day, but a bit later on. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, because I was angry, I said, I feel like I want to write to the FA or EFL, you know, like write a letter to them and complain about the refs with us because, you know, it's, it is getting beyond a joke and I'm having none of it. And I do wish I could write. I really want to write. Let- Just write one. Write one. Know. I'm fucking sick of it. I'm, I'm sorry for my language, but I am. It's not. It needs to be sorted. Yeah. But it's full corruption, and I'm sorry if people don't see that. Then I don't know what you've been smoking. You know. Yeah, people agreeing with you. By the way, DJ in the chat says refs deserve everything they get. They're shambolic, and TTT or Freeze says refs this season are just so bad. So I don't think yeah. Isolated in that. Hi, Acacia. Welcome along. 
How are we doing? <laughs> well, what's your thoughts on the referees then? Because we're talking about referees again, which is which just shouldn't be a talking point, but clearly it is. To be honest, I agree with you a lot. I think we need Vaughn in this league, to be honest. Because, um, well, for me, I looked closely at um, the tunnel, well, not the tunnel, but the touchline, actually, on Saturday. Mm -hmm. And Alex Neal, for me, he was actually half, uh, actually on the touchline and actually half on the pitch. So making it the 12th man. Mm. It's, he's classed as a pitch invader at that point, right? Yeah, he is. Um, I, I kind of I get it, but I, I, I also... With managers moving outside of the technical area, I think that's just a natural thing when you're motivated um, on, on, the, on the pitch. You see it all the time, like at Sunday league level and, and Saturday leagues and stuff like that. You'll see like the head coach or the manager of these teams shouting at their players, going onto the pitch, like, like getting outside of this this dead is in a technical area because they're trying to get their voice heard across the pitch. I, I, I get it. Like, I'm not going to completely jump on Alex Neal. We should have been carded or anything around like that on that, on that point. But it's still, it's still a professional, it's like a professional environment. So it should be, should be punished. And hello, we have RWA joined us. Hello and welcome along, Brad. Welcome, Brad. Good evening. Good evening. So, I think your joining is the perfect timing. We have been discussing the referees and the Stoke game for quite a bit. So, please feel free to chip in with your opinions on the game and the refereeing. And then we'll move on to the next point. So, you've had your say. <laughs> yeah, um, that referee was just terrible at the weekend. Um, Totally, yeah, terrible. Um, <laughs> obviously, a 5-1 defeat at home. I think it's been the longest, biggest defeat in 40 years at home, which is... Yeah, it's the worst def It's worst defeat at the stadium of light ever. Kate Forburn's um, uh, clearly a Geordie, saying there's only one Dwight Gale. Calm down. <laughs> he, he, Dwight Gale, like, this game aside... White Gale for Stoke City this season has been shit. He scored one goal before that game, and that was off his arse cheek. Um, he he is a designated striker. He's had a shit season. He's just had one good game, and it happens to be against his. Who is it? No, well, he is a he's a Geordie. Dwight Gale is a Geordie, so yeah. it's against his rival club. So. That's, it's just fucking typical, really. So fair play, you just can have you have your little moment, but um, but Dwight but Gale going on. That, hmm? What what I say to the Geordie fan is beating Man United isn't for everyone. <laughs> it's not for us either, mate. We can't play them. Um, yeah. But with with Dwight Gale's celebration, oh, why, mate. Yeah. Why did he go up and down? To our supporters, that, that you know, he knew our fans were tossed off at him. I mean, well, I wouldn't have tossed something at him. I would have screamed at his face or something. But he, he was like the entire, the entire, like every time they scored a goal, they were egging our fans on because they weren't running to the Stoke fans. They were running to Sunderland corners where they heard chance against them. Like they were purely egging us on, and yeah. But yeah. if it were a Sunderland player, I think a Sunderland player would do it. If, if, yeah. if there was a Sunderland, if there was someone who's from Sunderland and they left Sunderland and they were at another club and they were playing Newcastle, they'd probably do it the same, wouldn't they? We'd yeah. To, we can't shy away from that, to be honest. Yeah. We, we, I would. I'd do it. it I'd, I'd probably do the wanker gesture at the Newcastle fans if I were a footballer. <laughs> so yeah. So I get it. Like it. We understand it in the moment. He's enjoying that moment, but you don't have to be such a fucking dick about it. That's that's essentially yeah. what I'm getting at. That's what I'm getting at. Um, yeah. I wish I could drop kick him like Will did to that old woman in episode <laughs> of him. I'm going to say this as well. This, yeah. this club needs to get netting up at that rear end, seriously. 
Yes. Because Stork was actually tossing stuff again. Are the weird fans throwing stuff down at the the Sullen fans? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were. Well, it's happened all the time. Like last season when um when I went to see Sullen play Morecambe, Morecambe fans were doing it, and it's just, oh, it's just, just why? Why do people do this sort of stuff? Go to enjoy oh, yourself, not to be, not to be a prick, you know. Uh, I yeah. Well, I think case in point to that is the Blackpool fan, um, Tony. I forgot his surname, who went to a game and got into a scuffle outside the get outside the grounds and end up dying. So there is those fans that do try and take over clubs, and it, it's really, really irritating. Um, you do have a lot of them up and down the country. You do find it a lot with away fans as well. So. Well, I remember when a Portsmouth fan, I didn't go to the game, but it was in our first season of League One, 2018-19, and a Portsmouth fan threw a flare from the away end onto where Sunderland fans are. Yeah, so, like, I get, I do completely understand Stoke enjoying the moment. I enjoy, I enjoy that kind of, I, I, I like that they are enjoying that moment, but when they step over the line with egging people on for violence, that's when it's a bit too much, and maybe, maybe that should be stopped by the referee again, being very poor, or maybe the, um, the grounds keeps the the security on on the pitch should be identifying people and, and banning them from from games because we can't be having people travelling up and down the country who are putting people's yeah. safety at risk. It's it's just just not the game we're in anymore. We're not in the seventies. We're not in the hooligan era. In the entertainment era, I think. Brad, Paul, any thoughts? I have to totally agree with you there, actually. But um, yeah, you know, the red and white army is actually low. Keep asking the club to put netting up, and uh, the clubs keep coming back and say, "Oh, it's it's too much." Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the the price for it to actually put it up. But if they if they're gonna put it up. Uh, why have that? Why have they come out and said they're going to keep the fans there next season? If they're not going to put it up, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I, Barcelona they have um, a net for away fans, don't they? But no, no, they don't. They have a they have a glass cage. Oh yeah, it's really it's really weird. It's really weird. But um, I'm sure there was probably sure was a net for away yeah, fans, but I'm not. The entire Bundesliga, the entire Bundesliga have net. And you can see all the fans. The fans can see everything because the net is not that much of an obstruction visually. Yeah. It just stops large missiles getting thrown. It it won't it won't stop coins and stuff like that, but it will stop bottles, flares. bottles, flares, that kind of thing. They'll just like hit the net and drop down. Um, I'm just gonna catch up on the chat. So Thomas Mitchell is saying, trying to keep my head up, but don't know about the Norwich match after all that, keeping the faith and. But the team's tired and we're lacking a complete forward. We hadn't, Stuart. What's your opinion, guys? So we'll move on to Norwich in a second. And Akesha's chipped in around the netting and the security. The club won't put netting up, though. That's the only problem. Because the club can't afford it, it's obvious. Well, the net would cost about £30,000, right? Then it's done. It's there forever. Why not put the away ticket price up by a quid and you can buy it in two games? That's that's just an absolute oxymoron. We can definitely afford it because away fans will still come to the stadium. Yeah, like, it, that that that's a bit of a that's a bit of a. Sorry, one of biggest biggest stadium in championship in it. So why would they mm. not want to come to our stadium and be so, safe? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's because Speakman or Krill won't spend money. And Speakman isn't the owner of our club. Krill is, and he needs to get players in. He's now 25, but Speakman won't let him because now a mad might not be. Oh yeah, but yeah. We'll talk about we'll talk about the Norwich game now. Um, <laughs> so score predictions. I'll do it from left to right. So that's me first. I am going for a two-one Norwich win. Um, yeah. Paul, what are you going for? Uh, I'm not confident, so I'm uh, unfortunately I'm going for three-one Norwich. Okay, Brad. Oh, I'm gonna think here. It's gonna be a fifty-fifty game. I'm gonna go one-one draw. Okay, 
That's 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 the best, most positive we've had so far. Jacob, I'll go with same with Brad. One all. One all. Nice. Two people with a point. That's that's brilliant. <laughs> um, I'll be right. That'd be right. Uh, so the first score prediction in the chat was from DJ, and that's Norwich four, Sunderland nil. Then Ash, I don't, I don't know. Based on the based on the Stoke game, I don't think that's too bad of a prediction. Um, Astra said three nil, easy Norwich win. That's a that's strong language. Um, who else have we got with predictions in here so far? Um, Acacia saying. 1-1 one, one for Norwich. Absolute copycat, Brad. Absolute copycat. <laughs> uh, talk, talk, talk. Fair. Fair. So let, let's go into the, the prediction now. So we've got a couple of injuries that have happened between the Stoke game and um, the Norwich game that's coming up on Sunday. Um, Acacia brings it up. Um, at training today, Ahmad is... Um, ruled out for the rest of the season because of a hamstring issue. Um, Aji is out for the uh, rest of the season and Embo and Ross Stewart. Who else is out for the... Corey Evans. Evans as well. Corey Evans. Evans yeah. So Evans. it looks like we might have a bit of an injury crisis at our club as well. Um, yeah. That's at six, five, six players who are out injured. But we do have Lyndon Gooch back apparently. Isn't that right, Jacob? Hi. Linda Gooch coming back. I think so, yeah. I thought he was coming back for the Stoke game, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. I've seen, seen, seen him in training this afternoon. Right. Um, also, um, Niall Huggins is in training, and all there's a good, um, there's a good figure on Niall Huggins as well because he only needs one more gear in the under-21s. Then hopefully after that he'll step up to the first team and play first team football again from his injury. Okay, so he is playing. He is getting like ninety minutes in, just not at like the top level. That's that's good yeah. news. That's good news. Um. Yeah, that's what Paul told me. um yeah, the thing is, um, um, you know, I'm not sure if you've seen the score uh, on the twenty-one score the other day. Um. <laughs> uh, Tony Mowbray actually was asked on Harry Gardner. Mm -hmm. uh, he um, got like he, he actually got a hat trick uh, in the uh, under twenty ones game the other day against Stork. The, the under yeah, it yeah. Was. <laughs> yeah. Well, should we talk about that game instead of the the, the like the main the main team because that was that yeah that was a much better performance. Like looking at the highlights of that under twenty ones game, it boosted my confidence in our academy like the quality we have at the under 21s level is so much better than the rest of the competition it, it's actually it's on it's, it's unreal um i think that might just be like the, the the two three highlights that i've seen but i think we've got a really good academy at the minute and that for me is a longer term better sign that our club is just going through a, a, like a really shit blip in terms of results um Morbury was asked on Harry Gardner and uh Morbury said um Harry Gardner's sadly not ready yet for the first team. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I've just go on, sorry. The stats a good sign though, isn't it, Amp? If we've got good under twenty ones or under eighteens, it's a good sign for the future, isn't it? Like it shows that we've got a bright future ahead of us, you know, with the up and coming talent, so yeah, I've just just realised I I forgot to put this on. Um, <laughs> so so uh, on, on my thing, you can see in the bottom corner now, like the comments from from people in the chat. Um, Thomas Mitchell saying a one a cheeky one nil win, but if we don't turn up, an absolute demolishing again four nil. So, um, and Lahaji starting might change his mind from a one nil to a two nil. Is Lahaji that much of a big player for us, or big potential player for us? Whoever wants to chip in first, go for it. <laughs> but Teresa, it'd be interesting because Lahaji played actually did play in that under twenty ones game. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, how did he? How did he perform? I don't know. I didn't watch it. <laughs> I just saw the highlights. <laughs> yeah, there'll there'll be a stat tracker somewhere where it tells us how how well he played, wouldn't there? Uh, it'll give him a match rating and stuff, but. Um... 
Acacia says Lahaji needs to get a start. Obviously, he can't join until Ahmad goes back to United. Why, obviously? Like, Ahmad is out injured now, isn't he? Ahmad's, Ahmad's, yeah. Ahmad's out for the rest of the season, so... Maybe... I'd thought that, because if, if we can't play Lahaji until Ahmad goes, goes back to Manchester United... It's... He wants Harry Gardner, but if they obviously can't afford him... He isn't ready for the first team. Uh, we can't even get Joppy if he isn't good enough for us this season from Leeds. Um, and because I saw on Twitter the other day that Leeds fans want Joppy back to Leeds for as good as they keep in him in Iron Sunderland games. So I don't think I don't think Leeds want or need Joppy back. I've had a couple of fans come into the watch along live streams to say like. Keep Joffy's name out of your mouth. It's it's Gelhart to you guys, yeah, whatever. Um, but he he's not really performing that well, is he? Like he's got one goal in five six games for us. He's not he's not the target man. It was interesting what Tony Mowbray said on Joffy because um, Mowbray said the reason why we brought Joffy in was to actually play off a striker. Yeah, that makes sense. That absolutely makes sense. Like I think he needs a partner up front he's not the only he should never be the only target man um i'm trying to think of like premier league era who he would be equivalent to but if if you're using some analogies he's probably more like um julio arker to niall quinn and um, Kevin phillips like he's the person who gives the ball to the two people up front or the one person up front not the person who's bagged in the goals um yeah it is a bit bit of a weird one. Who would you play up front with them? Well, before the injury today, I would have said Ahmad. Um, having them two as dedicated forwards, the the thing is though, we'd have to play the ball low a lot, which might put a lot of defenders off because a lot of defenders in this league are big, stocky, tall men, They're like six foot three <laughs> tanks. So. Giving it low and through their feet, I think, is a massive challenge for a lot of defenders in this league. So having two short, fast-paced strikers is a smart, logical decision. But that's not for me to say or to do. It's for Tony Mowbray. Um, and we've got to trust that he's doing the right thing. But when you lose three games in a row, we can't trust him. Brad, what do you think? What do you think? Who I would start up front with Gellhart. Go on. I think he suits being a winger more than a striker, but I can see it because he cuts in a lot, and when he cuts in, he's dangerous. So I do yeah. see, I do see that as a half decent choice. Um, or, um, even Alex Pritchard because he played quite well against Stoke up front. He played really well up front against Stoke. He actually got the goal as well. He played quite well. Yeah, I, I agree with that. The problem with have with Pritchard is he's not Piercy. I don't think he has the beating of defenders, which is why he he is a an accurate passer in the midfield. Um, Roberts is quite fast as well. Oh, Clark and Roberts are perfect on each wing. It, it, that makes perfect sense to me to start them every every single week. Jacob, you've been yeah, Jacob, you've been quiet, mate. Who else would you put up front for Sunderland if you were having a two? Person strike partnership, like two strikers at the top. Yeah, you've got Gelhart as one of them because he's our only striker. <laughs> yeah. Who else? Uh, I'll go with Patrick Roberts actually. I know I might get people. I might. I know people might not like that, but I think Roberts. Tom, Thomas Mitchell uh, agrees with you, mate. Can't yeah. Roberts play as a centre striker? Plays a striker centre forward role. The, there is he, options. Plays Roberts. He's and some good goals this mm. This is a question to all of you then. Do you think do you think our current formation has been sussed out by the rest of the league, the four two three one stack? Yes. Try something different. Yes. Yep, a hundred percent. Yep. Yeah. We try maybe a maybe against the bottom half team. So like when we play Huddersfield at home, I think we should do like a four four two. Maybe Against against the lower, no disrespect, you know, teams in the bottom half, maybe like four four two, and against the top teams, maybe like a 
<laughs> don't know, some sort of de- more defensive formation. I don't know, like, I think, I don't know which one would be best, but I think... 3-4-3? Three, three? Oh. Yeah. I don't think we've ever done well with three at the back. Just, no. just going to throw that out there. Um, I think... I think and I are a good striker. No idea who you mean, Daniel. <laughs> Welcome along. Ahmad, Ahmad is injured, so we can't put him up there for the rest of the season now. He's basically Ross Stewart 2.0. Um, glass legs. So, you, you mentioned in there about changing the formation away from that 4-2-3-1. I think if we do a 4-4-2, the classic... Yeah, yeah the, the, the the classic known well-to-work formation. I think there'll be ch- fans chanting or protesting about Mowbray going back in time and doing all things that don't work. When we win, there'll be none of that discussion, but when we lose, it'll always be, you played 4-4-2, it doesn't work anymore, you're too old, you, you need to get out. There'll always be that kind of rhetoric. It's like that with other fans, and it? it's not just Sunderland. I bet other fans would say that as well. Say so like, if if it happened with Watford, if I bet if they did four four two when the players at Stadium Light and they lost to us, I bet Watford fans will be saying to their coach, "Oh, well, you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have done that." You know, it's. I think it's all fans, all football fans do it. I think, yeah. Yeah, I think this league is defined by fine margins in games, and if you watch any of any of my videos around like league updates, you'll see how close some teams win their games by. It could be one or two goals, but the goals are so scrappy and so scruffy that the formation in that goal generally didn't matter. The exception is Norwich last week were absolutely lethal from corners, and that is a massive gap that Sunderland have. So. Do you think Tony Mowbray will have done enough work between that Stoke game and this weekend to cut out and train our corners and set pieces and defending them effectively? I'm not too sure we will. Uh, so, yes, what formation do we go by um, from this week? Do we stick to it or... Stick I want to stick there because I think Norwich will just easily suss us out. I'm not mm-hmm. too sure which formation though, but, you know, let's... Do something different, because Norwich would easily suss us out. I know they would, and we don't want that. It's, I think, was it you, Jacob, or Paul, that mentioned at the start of the stream about how we um, we let, or we attacked too often in that Stoke game to allow those counter-attacks? I think that was Paul that said that, I think. So... Do we sit back a bit and invite Norwich on and then try and count their, catch them on the counter-attack? Because yeah. we do... That tire them out. That's quite clever when you think of it, though, because it will tire Norwich out, and then when they're tired, we can be more lethal in attacking at them. So mm-hmm. that sort of old trick. Yeah. I don't see why we do something like that. And then get a cheeky... Maybe get a cheeky three points. Play to what you know. Yeah. Okay. Uh... Acacia says, I think Tony Mowbray will be sticking with 4-2-3-1. I think we're kind of forced to with uh, only one striker, right? Um, it's I, interesting, I, though, because we, um, we were told by uh, Jacob Broad um, what Tony Mowbray is like. What do you mean? Uh, Jacob Broad is actually a um, Blackburn supporter. Uh, and we, we were actually told by him uh, what Tony Mowbray is actually like. What, like as a yeah. person or as a, as a, impl- like a manager? A manager. Yeah, manager because he has his um, February and March blips these times. Oh, you've got me fucking joking. So we're going to lose every game now for the rest of this month. Probably. No, n- yeah, yeah I, get, I get that. But, um,. I don't think it. I don't think that is. I think that's Sunderland as well, though. We've always had a post Christmas New Year blip. It's just happened a little bit later, and because of and how Easter's normally a good time for Sunderland to be fair, though, isn't it? Easter generally, because that was when we used to pick it, pick up in the Prem, you know, and survive relegation in Prem. Yeah. Um. Thomas has just chipped in, and I think we've all forgot about him actually. Um, Pierce on Bennett is the same. We forgot Bennett is a striker. Yeah. 
give him a chance because Mowbray's <laughs> put him on fairly late, to be honest. And that I'll criticise him for that. I don't see why we can't start Bennett a bit more often. Yeah. Yeah, so throw, throw Bennett up front, catch the lads off. Because that pace, the, the ball over the top, yeah, he's not going to get onto the header, but he will get onto the second ball and run through past mm. past slow, chunky defenders. If I say That's slow, they're slow. still a lot faster than all of us. Does Tony Mowbray actually see Bennett as a striker? Uh, good. Telling uh, Acacia says, telling you now, Bennett will be on the bench on Sunday. I can see it happening. I can see it happening. But the fact that we've all forgot that he was a, he is a, a named striker for his country is is quite scary considering we have a striker issue and he has literally been bagging goals left, right, and centre for his country. Um, in the friendlies, in in not in the World Cup, but like in the um the games just before the World Cup as well. Like we signed him for a reason, and he's quality. Hello, Ben. Welcome. So, yeah, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of lost lost for where we actually play on Sunday. Like, I I do think if we switch it up, um, I think we should drop two free uh, at the back. So have three solid central defenders and have two dedicated wingers, and then have more control in the middle of the park. Because when we played Coventry. They had one extra player in the middle of the park and they dominated a lot of that game because uh, they were flooding our players. They were basically two two to a man pretty much all the time in the middle of the park. Um, having less at the back does mean you are vulnerable to being like um, being beaten down the wings. But I think the amount of pace that our wingers have, I think that's probably a good option. But again... Do you think Tony Mowbray will ever change it up? I don't know. I, I, I hope he does tomorrow, uh, not not tomorrow, um, Sunday against Norwich, to be fair. What's our record on Sky, does anybody know? Because we've, we've, I think this is our season where we've been on telly the most, like ever. Really? Well, we've had a few weeks on Sky, to be fair. Yeah, we lost the games Coventry. Uh, I think we won most of the games on Sky. Yeah, we won QPR, we won Birmingham. Yeah, we won QPR on Sky, we won Birmingham. Blackburn at home. I think that was on yeah. Sky, wasn't it? There were there yeah. was uh, the opening game to Coventry. That was the Burnley game. We I think we've been on Sky like at least twelve times already this season. Um. No, I thought Reading was on Sky. You know the Reading away game, wasn't that on Sky? Always that. Yeah, it was. Alright. Um, do you think? Do you think being on TV might affect not affect Sunderland? But do you think it might affect Norwich? Because they've not they've not been on TV as often this season as they're potentially used to in the Prem. But when they have been on TV, um, I'm not mm -hmm. sure how they've gone actually. So. It just for me, I think it'd be interesting how uh, David Wagner, um, uh, you know, the, the, how you know how he uh, lines up. To be honest, yeah. yeah. Norwich are back in the playoffs, aren't they? Yeah, I, I think they'll win the playoffs. I think it'd be Norwich and Borough in the final, and I think Norwich will win at Wembley. Would would losing to Sunderland be a massive dent to their playoff? Hopes though could knock them back a bit. They could go on a bit of a bad spell to fuck it up against yeah. us. I think that they could because you know if we win the next, I'm not gonna say anything, you know, but if we win the next couple of games, we're back. We're back up there in the mix. So yeah. If we win the next like two or three games, but we don't, I don't think that's gonna happen, but. We're already six points adrift from the playoffs. I think a, a win against Norwich does put us three points back to Norwich, but the other teams, Millwall, Coventry, West Brom, they could all leapfrog them as well. So it's it's kind of a kind of a strange strange one. Uga Booga Dov and hello Lauren, welcome. So Lauren says David Wagner was terrible at Huddersfield, the same as at us. I can't remember David Wagner. Are you talking about when you say us? Do you mean Sheffield? I can't remember him being at Sunderland. Is that 
Yeah, I was like, I can't remember <laughs> David Wagner ever coming to Sunderland. I might have missed something there. Are you sure it's not Sheffield Wednesday, you case here? Yeah, but uh, so he's terrible at formations as well as keeping losing games when he was at charge at Huddersfield. So um, I, I mentioned this just before the call um, about Tony Mowbray. How many games in a row does he lose before we start? Protesting, I guess, for the chop. Because you could think we're already on a three game loss streak, right? We could lose against Norwich. We could lose. <laughs> we could lose against Sheffield. Then lose against Luton. That's six games on the bounce where we could lose them. Like it won't, it won't surprise me though if we did lose to Norwich and Sheffield and then break the losing streak against Luton. Like, you know, I think, I think we could beat Sheffield United because we keep losing and losing all the time and winning and winning. We don't, don't, watch, don't, don't, don't watch Sheffield United to get them off. We, no, we do. We played them earlier in the season, mate. They're a good team. <laughs> They're a really good team. They beat us 2 1, didn't they? Um, on that note, as you know, like if, um, uh, you know, like if, I'm trying to leave now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, actually, if Dan Neil actually didn't get sent off, do you think we would have won then? No, I think we would have pulled back to a two-two draw. Oh. Yeah, yeah. But was, uh, was it a definite red though that day? That oh yeah, yeah. It was daft as it was daft as anything, mate. Yeah, it was definitely a red. Um, Uga Booga Dov, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I was joking. <laughs> How we doing? Can you play with your beach ball, Dan? Yeah, yourself. Good, thank you. So, it is a question to everybody. How many games in a row do you think it's acceptable for a manager to lose before he loses his job? That's my question for Tony Mowbray. For any manager, actually. If you ask QPR, <laughs> then they might think five. Well, of course, QPR, they might tell us. <laughs> I would say potentially like six or seven is like the cutoff point. Six or seven games in a row, you clearly haven't got control of this team. Uh, it depends what the problem is. Yeah. The manager, <laughs> his stubbornness. Well, it's not necessarily the manager, like... For seven, so for seven games. For seven games. Yeah, but uh, so many factors come into it. Like it's not just the manager, like the player. If like if you're losing seven games in a row, clearly the players aren't doing something right either. Well, for Man United, it's not seven goals. It's not seven games. It's seven goals for Man United. That's <laughs> oh, no. Oh. You do see some some teams stick with their manager, even though they do go on these horrible spells. Um, <laughs> Liverpool, Liverpool. Do do we basically, if we have this six game spell, do we see him out to the end of the season and then look at a new gaffer in in the summer, or do you chop and change him straight away? I mean, that's just like the Sunderland uh, full circle in it, you know. In summer and that, so, well, like, you know, if, if we did it straight away, really, that because that's what we're doing it. We do it during the season. We've already uh, changed. We've already changed our gaffer. We started the season with Alex Neil in charge, mate, but that was out yeah. of our control. Yeah, yeah. He claims he wasn't backed in the transfer window, but that's a lot of shit, in my opinion. Well, not really, mate, because we we basically all said that the January transfer window we didn't recruit correctly, so. There's got to be some some validity to that. A little bit. He was definitely a snake the way he left, but um, there's got to be some some truth in him not getting the players he wanted. There's got to be. For me, I, I would give more until until the end of the season. End of the season. Okay. 
Yeah, it's because he's not had Rebels for quite a while in his conference, so if you see him with Rebels again, we might start winning. We'll see. Uh, Dov. You support one of the strangest teams in the in the world. Yeah, you can you can say that. How many games in a row have you gone without a win before changing your manager? I'm, the, the the last manager I remember having a really shit streak streak with you was Kenny. Da- I was gonna say Dalgleish. Brendan Rodgers is a good shout though. Yeah, you know I don't actually know. You're the stat man, and you don't know. I know. I'm looking it up. All right, leave me alone. <laughs> okay, I'll let you complete. The Dag Leash days, that was when, like, Gerard was there, wasn't it? Like, early 2010s and all that. that that's, was like, that's when the magic slip happened. This does not fucking slip. <laughs> Fred and Rogers is terrible. Uh, Brad. Our longest losing streak was nine games, but that was back in 1899. <laughs> A Premier League, just change oh, it to DJ. Premier League era. Change it to Premier League yeah, era. That was when DJ was a kid. He, must have, he might be able to know, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, where's DJ? He's at a caravan park. Um, nah. Brad, what's your thoughts? What's the magic number? Uh, for Mowbray, did you say? Yeah. Oh, oh no. Oh, same as Paul, I mean, must all give him until the end of the season. Okay. Um, uh, go on. <laughs> Do you know what team holds the longest losing run in the Premier League? Uh, Sunderland with 13. Uh, Sunderland with 20. 20? 2005. Yeah, 2005. Did we, how many times did we change our manager in that period? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I, bet someone, I bet someone's going to break that record. I bet by the time you know it, someone will have a... Sunderland, what, what, 2005. Let me, just, let me have a look. It was, it was pretty poor. <laughs> That was that was when we set the record. Then Derby beat it twice after that, didn't they? So it's now Derby, and for us, it's still us. It's Derby. It's Derby. Yeah. We went down that season on twenty-one points, I believe, or seven nineteen. Because I was going to say Derby had when they last time they were in the Prem, they were awful, weren't they? They were dire. Yeah, the same could be said of Fulham last time they were up, but um, no. Nah. Nah. <laughs> You had the you you brought in twelve players during that year. <laughs> yeah, that was when yeah. McCarthy was in the that was the McCarthy era. It was it was. Uh, uh, you went through three managers that year. Fuck me. McCarthy was until February. Then you had Kevin Ball until May, and then you had Niall Quinn till July. Uh, Niall Quinn was the worst manager. He lost five on the bounce, didn't he? And he, he had yeah. Yeah, it. it, it did he replace himself with Roy Keane? Well, yeah, you know the season we went up from Championship with Roy Keane. Now Quinn was like a, you know, like a caretaker manager. He lost quite a few games, and then Roy Keane came in, and the rest is history. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's got some decent fans working on security in semi-final. I got pulled. Right. Okay. Fantastic. One thing I can't stand is the amount of steps. I enjoy being fat. Steps don't mix. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, when's the pod released? So the pod should be released. Um, it should be released by Sunday. Um, it's uh, If you search up the Mackham Football Show on, on Spotify, iTunes, um, Deezer, the, the, all of the good... All of the good podcasting. Google as well. All the good podcasting places. Oh, I'm being called. I have to bounce. Sorry, lads. Enjoy your bounce. <laughs> See you in a bit. Oh, <laughs> um, so, fi- final final point on managers being chopped and changed. The Watford team got rid of Slavin Bilic. He is a good potential replacement for Mowbray. Would you not agree? I don't know. Slavin Village. Come on. Do, 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 do. Former West Ham manager. 
I don't I don't mind who they've done before because well you see a former West West Ham manager West Ham have had David Moyes haven't they and he was a former Sunderland manager so Moyes not... is still at West Ham yeah exactly so I'm, I'm saying like long. I'm not not sure for how long but like I don't think the relationship between Sunderland and West Ham's all that all that um, fragile shall we say I don't think I think we hate each other when we're playing but beyond that I don't think we really care all that much. Um, come for a four-hour drive, so we'll have a free download. Nice, thank you, Astro. That's awesome. It's <laughs> uh, interesting, look. We get rid of Mowbray. Sure. How how long is the club gonna take uh, to actually bring somebody in? Because if you think when we got rid of Alex Neil, yeah, the club looks straight. At, at, the club actually looks straight at Tony Mowbray. So for me, I think we can look at getting rid of Mowbray. If he does go on this horrible streak, we have essentially written off the season. We are mathematically safe this season if we beat Huddersfield. That's our deadlock game. If we beat Huddersfield, we are safer in this league for next season. We we can finish anywhere between uh, 20th and 8th if we have a horrible streak. Um, but we can still finish in playoffs. There's a slim chance that's still a possibility, but we need to have like five games on the bounce while we win, and that's not happened for us all season. So, yeah. Um, if we get rid of Mowbray, we could do it right at the end of the season when his contract is up for review, or we can do it during the season and look at the a caretaker and see if that caretaker does a good job. Then potentially have that caretaker as a full time. Um, there's loads more options when you're the first on the market. If you're the first t team to say we're looking for a, a new head coach in that summer, anybody who's up for their contract reviews can say, "Well, this club is looking for a new gaffer. I think I'm a good fit there. Offer me more money." And Sunderland is a big name. It's a big brand um, in football. Really good for your CV if you're a manager and you can bring us up. Alex Neal's case in point of that. Um, yeah, I know, but they, he, his CV has been massively boosted because he got us promoted. We can't deny that. So, To be honest, I'd rather look for a head coach. Say, like, say like if we got rid of Morby in, 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 uh, in the season or at the end of the season, is essentially. At the end of the season, I would look for a head coach because I, mm -hmm. I, I, I wouldn't trust Dodds and Proctor. Uh, to take over the team while we're looking for a manager. I thought they, I thought they went to Stoke, Dodds and Proctor or something like that. No, they still yeah. with us, them too. Oh, Laurel, and, Laurel and Hardy. It's Michael. Yeah. It's Michael. Um, somebody who went with Alex Neal, who was with him last season here. In fact, I think it was called. Yeah. But um, that, that aside... <laughs> The ideal situation, right, for, for Sunderland is us to keep him for next season and back him throughout the entire year. I don't like chopping and changing managers. I, I fucking hate it. But if it's the right thing to do for the club, then 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna do what's right for it. Um what's best for business. Yeah. But it's it's what's best for the players. If the players don't players. trust if the players don't trust that Mowbray's tactics are gonna work. We lose games. It's it's literally that dead simple. Um, if the gaffer loses the trust of the players, the trust of the 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 back office, then then that is an also a really good time to leave. Um, the another good example of that is Lee Johnson. He had a really really good record for us up until that six nil defeat against Bolton, and that for me is a perfect excuse. Because we had we weren't on a bad run of form. It was just that that game was very very embarrassing. League One losing six nil to anybody is 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 a joke for Sunderland. And now pretty much the equivalent this season has just happened to, to Tony Mowbray, and he hasn't gone. So what's the difference between Lee Johnson and Tony Mowbray? And, uh, that's, that's the question's hard. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a hard question, but that, that's the things you, we need to consider, right? Yeah, it's a hard question, but it's definitely what we need to consider, yeah. Is, 
is there more trust in Tony Mowbray and his current set of players than what Lee Johnson had under that Bolton game? If the answer is yes, we need to make sure that that trust is built on and those players are able to meet the requirements of Tony Mowbray. Ultimately, it's a results-based game, and if if our result is a draw, if, if we're looking at getting a draw against Norwich, Luton, and Sheffield, three points out of that game, I would much rather take one win and two losses in that game than three draws. So... It, it, the, the one win will just feel nicer long, longer term than three 1-1 nil-nil draws, right? But Preston, <laughs> I'm, I'm bragging them up here. They they had, very early in the season, let's defend as best as we possibly can. We'll snatch goals. Occasionally we might concede one here and there because that's the nature of football. But as long as we're defending as best as we possibly can, we will pick up a lot more points. I can't see what Sunderland's ethos is right at the minute is it possession is it tackling is it defend well is it go down the wings like i don't know what our current ethos is what our current strategy is other than four two three one and give the ball to gelhart that's that's all i can think our current strategy is we don't want to forecast it too much because obviously opposition suss us out and they have sussed us out because it's so simple and rudimental but I think Mowbray needs to communicate this to his to to our fan base. Do you agree or not? That's <laughs> any of you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have to agree with you. I'm, yeah. I know, I... You, I know sometimes you say you don't have to agree, you know, but yeah, you I, don't, I, you... I have to agree. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, the board like Mowbray don't think they was fans of Johnson though. Says. Um, Thomas, which makes sense. Um, apparently, Blackburn have been terrible in the second half. And to case in point that, by the way, Stoke are now 3-0 up against Blackburn. So, so this 5-1 defeat to Stoke isn't looking as embarrassing as it could have been, right? Because we weren't fourth at the time. <laughs> oh, that's such, a, that's such a small win for us. That's ridiculous. Um... I think that's like that. The Stoke winning tonight against Blackburn is also a case in point of managers having the backing of their players and trusting that manager to put out the right tactics. Because, um, yeah, who forgot? <laughs> um, I think Marlborough needs to be a bit stronger. How he does that, we have to trust. It's it's the right thing. 12 o'clock on, on Sunday um, we went with the predictions what is a good or acceptable result and we'll wrap it up after that Paul what's a good or acceptable result for Sunderland on Sunday for me to get the fans back on side we have to win against Norwich okay any win 1-0 penalty Literally any any win. <laughs> I'll take any win against Norwich to get the fans back on side. Okay, perfect. Brad? Any win against Norwich as well? Um, penalty, pay one a day. As long as it's one nil at all, I'll be happy. Three points. <laughs> okay, and Jacob? Uh, a win would be amazing, but to be fair, I won't mind a... A point. Yeah, but I'd still go try and go for a win. But to be fair, a draw against Norwich is good because they've been so good this season. So okay, well, at least a point. To be fair, at least a point. Yeah, yeah. That's what that's where I was going with with my answer as well, mate. I think to show that the the Mowbray tactics are working. A point against Norwich uh, when they're currently in the playoffs and on really good form. They've won four of the last five. A point is acceptable um for a a turn in in the in the shitstorm that is our last couple of games and to wrap it up as well from a, a chat standpoint we've had 18 votes 44 percent of people are saying Sunderland are going to win and 28 percent each for Norwich and a draw so 
looks like if our if the people on the chat are giving in with the um with their predictions, it's going for a Sunderland win. So Sunderland are going to win. You've heard it here first. Um, <laughs> we've gone for a minute. Predictions. So I said Sunderland are going to lose two one. Brad said a one one draw. A one one draw. Jacob said a one one draw. And Paul said a three one Norwich. Three one Norwich. So two Norwich, two draws. Um, but yeah, there we are. That's it. That's it from from me. From Paul, from Brad, and from Jacob. Have a good weekend. Have a good, good weekend. weekend. Cool. Catch you on the watch along. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye.